listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4. I am visually impaired. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's episode of the Public Affairs Show, a really interesting uh, a company, interesting nonprofit called the Ella Project. And we're going to get more into that with the uh, co-founders, Gene Maneri and Ashley Keaton. I want to welcome them both to the show. Welcome, Gene and Ashley. Thank you, Carl. Glad to be here. Yes, thank you so much. All right. Before we begin, I always want our listeners to know who you are. So a little bit of a bio on each of you, where you're from, what school, where you're at, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, any family information you want to, to let people know. Sure. Um, So I'm Ashley Keaton, and I have been in New Orleans close to 25 years now. I'm from Hot Springs, Arkansas, originally, but um, have been here since I left at 17 with my brief stint in college and where I went to Auburn University for undergrad and then to Tulane Law School for law school. Um, I, along with Jean, help run the Ella Project, but beyond that, I'm an adjunct professor at Tulane in entertainment law and at the University of New Orleans Graduate School in Arts Administration. I teach arts law there. Um, I was a choreographer up until the pandemic and then, you know, at the ripe age of 45, decided that my feet weren't really, you know, ready to get back into that. So, and my knees and everything else (laughs) that goes along with the, you know, the aging process. But, um, but I, uh, my mother was an art teacher. My dad was a carpenter. I was raised in, you know, around the arts, and um, I've appreciated the arts since, you know, I could, since I, I knew what to appreciate. Awesome. And I'm Gene Maneri. I'm a native of New Orleans. Uh, grew up in Carrollton. My father worked for Tulane for many years. My mother taught high school at Newman, where, where I also went to high school. And then um, went to university at Tulane. Spent some time in both Austin, Texas and Seattle, Washington. But I uh, was happy to return to New Orleans. Worked for many years with the Arts Council of New Orleans, which is where, where Ashley and I met and started doing this work um, in 2004. Um, and then in 2016, we spun off Ella Project to an independent 501c3 nonprofit organization and have been continuing since then with our mission to provide legal assistance and business development for all the artists of New Orleans and Louisiana as a whole. I've lived here 32 years, and in that 32 years, I've noticed what a great culture and arts society that uh, New Orleans has, the uh, the amount of talent that's in this city in this area is amazing and and i guess you guys are part of this uh this uh, nonprofit, the ella project to help promote that and help the small artists and the small uh, musicians so let us know let our, everybody know what is the ella project exactly so as jean uh, mentioned the ella project is a not-for-profit um, based in new orleans but we serve artists and musicians and culture bearers across the state um, we provide comprehensive pro bono legal services, business services, and advocacy services. Um, and as you just mentioned, you know, one of our, you know, one of our primary focuses is to promote not just a, a thriving creative industry, but also a thriving cult- cultural ecosystem, which often overlap but can be distinct too. Um, and so, while on the one hand we want to make sure that you know, to the extent that you know we are able to provide services to um, 
to artists that that would promote you know thriving businesses and and to help to develop the infrastructure around that. We also you know it's also very important to us that, for instance, um, in some of the indigenous um, uh, uh, cultural communities, for instance, the Mardi Gras Indians are able to you know uh, practice their you know sacred rituals with the confidence that. You know, they can be in public spaces without, you know, fear of arrest and that sort of thing. So we, you know, we're very steeped in cultural um, advocacy and policy, and we like to convene stakeholders, um, cultural stakeholders, our clients, our constituents, and also, you know, leadership across the city and wherever else might be important in developing better cultural policies and practices that, again, go to promoting these thriving industries, creative industries, and in an entire, you know, cultural landscape and ecosystem that is, that does make New Orleans so distinctive from most other cities um, in the country. And, you know, frankly, you know, has has as long established as an international treasure. Besides the uh, Mardi Gras Indians, what other kind of talent do you represent? What, what, who comes to you when they need assistance? We represent um, individual artists, emerging artists, established artists. We represent, you know, small arts businesses, um, a lot of grassroots nonprofit organizations. But, you know, we work a a lot with musicians, um, you know, muralists, um, performance groups, uh, filmmakers, documentary filmmakers. We're seeing a lot more of those these days, which is good. Um, And so it really runs the gamut. Um, before we go any further, please give your contact information if somebody's listening and realize, oh, I may want to talk to them. I have questions. So the easiest way to reach us is on our website, which is ellanola.org. That's E-L-L-A-N-O-L-A dot O-R-G. Uh, you can also call us. We're at 504-250-0429. So you mentioned you started in 2004 and 2016, 2016 became a nonprofit. How did you both decide this was something you all wanted to do? So I think that what we saw was that the demand for these sorts of services continued to increase and that this was a way to actually provide it. You know, I often use the analogy that when we're dealing with legal assistance for the arts in matters like copyright or reviewing a contract or even nonprofit incorporation, for years you'd seen people, they, they couldn't afford to pay full freight for an attorney, which can be expensive. And so they would just go it alone. It was something where they figured they could go it alone. Now, my, my wife for many years practiced as a divorce lawyer. And when people needed to get divorced, they found a way to get the money, right? They would borrow from friends. They would borrow from family. They're like, we need to get a divorce. When they needed to get their copyright taken care of, they didn't. And so what happened is it just never got addressed. And so what we realized is there was a huge demand. New Orleans was this thriving cultural development center where individual artists were creating a ton of work, but it didn't have a lot of the business structure that you would find in New York, Los Angeles, or Nashville. So you had a lot of independent artists. They hadn't obviously gone to law school for most of them. Most of them were trying to practice their work. They hadn't really thought about the businesses. So they could be easily taken advantage of, or at the very least, just not understand the full ramifications of what they were getting into. It it doesn't always have to be nefarious. Sometimes it's just not fully understanding what was going on. So the idea was, what if we could provide these services? 
give them away and convince people who believe in our cause to help support the program. Because obviously, any nonprofit, you still need to pay salaries. We still need to pay rent. We still need to pay accountants. All the other stuff that goes along with running a business. And we realized that the demand was there, that there were people in our community and across the country that were fans of New Orleans culture and would support our mission to deliver these services. And that if we removed the barrier of clients having to pay who are low to moderate income, we we should mention this is not services that anyone can get. There is an income cap. It's pretty generous. And, you know, for better or ill, the vast majority of artists fall into that level where services are be able to be delivered pro bono. Um, that we could serve them. We could use our specific set of skills to continue to develop the culture of New Orleans. And in our view, the New Orleans economy and the health of the city is inextricably linked to the culture of the city. The culture of the city will allow the, a thriving culture will allow the entire city to thrive. It's something that we both believed in, but we both wanted to see happen. And this was the area that we thought we could have the most impact in. So we launched it. Seven years in as a nonprofit, almost 20 years in as delivering these services, and it continues to go well. We continue to you know, serve the clients. We continue to have people that support us. Um, running a nonprofit is never an easy thing financially. We're always, you know, trying to make sure that everything is taken care of. I think we're successful, but you know, by no means are we um, are we lavishly rich as far as this is concerned. Right. I know. I know, and I've been associated with several nonprofits, and I know being rich is one of the the least uh, top things that you, you can say you are when you're with a nonprofit. Now, how many people are on staff that work with you and provide services? So we have two full-time staff, and then we work with a development consultant, and we do have another individual who helps with us, our patent program, which is a separate wing uh, because patent law is its own animal. And then Ashley runs with a very large cadre of interns from Tulane Law School that I'm sure she'll get into. All right, go ahead. Now tell us about the, the interns that you use. So since 2004 and going into our establishment as an independent nonprofit in 2016, we've had a constant flow of interns from Tulane Law School, and they have been absolutely instrumental in helping me to address the needs of many of our clients. And it's just amazing that, you know, when I think about, you know, when we got started in 2004 and and on our first full day, um, that Friday in August of 2005, when none of us had planned on evacuating before Katrina hit that following, um, and just a couple of days later, um, that was actually our first full full Friday clinic um, in in, two, in the middle of 2005. And my students were there with me, and you know they you know we returned uh, just a month or so after the storm, and we were meeting you know where we could you know when we could. And my very dedicated students, I mean, at one point, they were meeting with me at a bus stop outside of Tipitina's, you know, just so we could, you know, that just just so we could serve the clients who needed it the most, especially in those types of, in those types of, you know, very dire situations, um, which we hope uh, not to see a repeat of, but, you know, realistically, I'll, I'll knock on wood because, you know, we're still in October, but, but, you know, the, the, uh, beauty the, of of that anecdote is that is is to suggest that you know these students are committed and it's it's very refreshing um to have young people and young minds and I always call them the collective brain trust because you know it's been 20 years since I took the bar exam 
And while I'm very experienced in the um, in the arts and entertainment sector uh, with the work I do, I haven't thought about some of the things that are on the bar exam since then, and they are in the middle of it, and and I pick their brains. They're very smart brains all the time. So that's been that's been lovely, and we've had that relationship with Tulane Law School since 2004 and continue to this day. So, And I imagine things have changed so much since 2005 just because of social media, streaming services, and all the oh, legal yeah. things that go on with that since before we even had social media and streaming platforms. Yeah, I often sound like an old lady because I'm like, you know, back in the day, you know, which was just like, you know, in some cases five years ago. I mean, when you think about the fact that, you know, and I, I tell my students and some of them, sometimes they don't believe me, you know, when I was growing up, you know, and when I was, you know, too young to have like a real job, but was babysitting, I would save all my money and I would go buy, I would go to Camelot Records in the mall and I would buy a CD. And I think the last CD I bought was like $22 with tax. And to think that you can pay like $6.99 a month for all the access to music that you want just seems crazy. But, you know, I forget what year it was. But I'd say, what, around 2010 when we were downloading music? Maybe it was before that. And then, you know, that evolved into streaming. And when you think about the fact that we've gone, you know, just in the past 20 or so years to to utilizing physical, you know, media for music and film to, you know, digital downloads, which were a thing, you know. And now, I mean, everyone remembers the iPod, right? Um, and now, you know, just streaming, it's, I mean, there's this constant evolution and there's so many rules and regulations around that and around the licensing and it's, you know, it's constantly changing and it's, it's something that I have to keep up with and I have to practice. And, you know, certainly uh, the folks in the music, you know, community musicians and, you know, the, the businesses have to, and it's, and it can be very challenging because it, you, it's, it's, there's not, there's not, it's not always a situation where, where you're practicing something like that every day that's regulatory based, um, and so I think that, you know, to that end, our services, you know, are almost more important in this time than ever, because, you know, when we got started, not a lot had changed. I mean, the record industry contracts, the film industry contracts were the same as they were in the 60s and 70s. That's out the window now. Everything is constantly changing. As we're seeing with the big strikes going on in Hollywood with oh, the writers and the actors with streaming and now AI. So Oh, AI. Don't even get me started <laughs> with that. And I will not have an intelligible conversation because I cannot. In months, so uh, not now anyway. Now, I saw that you all have two kind of uh, programs and projects, Resendo and tete tete Let's talk about those. Absolutely. So it's actually very perfect that you were discussing streaming and leading into our Crescendo program. So this is a seven-week music business program that we run every fall over with our friends at the New Orleans Jazz Museum, the old U.S. Mint, down there at 400 Esplanade Avenue. And actually on Tuesday, October 17th, we'll be doing a two-hour program specifically on streaming and working with performing rights organizations. Those are your ASCAPs, BMIs, Sound Exchange, etc. So this will have four Four more sessions of this program. It's it's presented by Lou Hill, a musician with the band Waterseed, and a, a great musical entrepreneur in New Orleans as well. If there's a 
if there's a event being produced or a festival, Lou probably has a hand in it somewhere. And, and Bree Whetstone, a, an attorney who actually came through the Ella Project uh, as an intern back in 2013. Ashley was mentioning her, her interns from Tulane, and, and Bree was one of our interns, has continued to remain a friend of ours as she's moved into professional practice of law here in New Orleans. So this is a series of two-hour workshops. It runs Tuesday evenings, 5.30 to 7.30, along with having the live version at the New Orleans Jazz Museum. There is a Zoom option, so if people can't make it out to the museum if they're not located in New Orleans or, you know, we had someone the other night who was just like, my child care fell through. Can I get on the Zoom? We can provide that. We always say it's a better experience in person, just like many things are, but we want to make sure that people get the information no matter what. It's a free program. You know, we've been fortunate enough to get support from the National Endowment for the Arts, the state of Louisiana, and the city's Office of Cultural Economy to allow us to, to present the program for free. And it's been a hit. It's been something that we've done now for four years and has become sort of an annual part of our fall schedule. And we're looking forward to finishing this year's program and continuing it in uh, 2024 and hopefully beyond. And the Tete-a-Tete program? Tete-a-Tete's another neat idea. So the idea behind this was that we were very strong in providing direct legal advice, but as Ashley mentioned earlier, with the business consistently changing, it was important for us from the business side of things to be able to get people connected with people that are in the trenches today, people that are working as musicians, as artists, as nonprofit arts administrators, to provide specific advice on specific topics. And so it runs kind of like a matching service. You know, we, we don't quite swipe right and swipe left because, you know, the system's not quite that fancy, but it's the same concept behind it, where you go in there and you say, I'm a, I'm a visual artist and I'm interested in learning more about how to participate in festivals like the Jazz Fest or Blues and Barbecue Festival or something like that. And there's a series of artists that do these sorts of shows all the time that you can book for a consulting appointment. Uh, there is a fee based in it. It 100% goes to the artist who's consulting. We always believe that artist time is valuable. Uh, we'd never like to ask artists to do anything for free, and we follow this principle throughout this program as well. The fees are usually relatively moderate. It's $25 to $35. The artist sets their own rates. You know, we, we can give them this is what we think it is, but if you want to say, you know, your services are $150 an hour, that, that's your choice. Um, and then we, we make a match. Um, they can use our office, they can use our Zoom channel, or they can meet at a coffee shop. And so that's just a way for us to be able to get really in-depth business advice that isn't out of a textbook, that isn't, you know, Ashley and I, who we always describe as great generalists. We, we know, we know a, a decent amount about all sorts of forms of art, but they're, you know, we're not practicing artists. We can't say, oh, I've been doing this specific type of art for 25 years. Um, so we can hook you up with someone who has and have a conversation and get your questions answered. Well, that's awesome because, you know, having somebody that's already been doing it or knows how to do it, mentoring or consulting someone that's just getting into it or has these questions is always great because that internship, that giving back type, you know, philosophy is always important to young or starting artists or, you know, any, anybody starting a career in any kind of field. 
that giving back is also something so important. How many, um, or how does somebody become a consultant? They just reach out to you and, and talk to you? Yeah, that's it. We do an open enrollment every year, but we will take applications throughout the year. Um, it's definitely something where if people go through our website and contact us, they, they can email me, they can email Ashley and say, hey, this is something I'm interested in doing. We have a, we have a registration form and, and we review it. I mean, we want to make sure that these people are, are pretty vetted and that we can stand behind the advice that they're going to give. And so far, it's been a success. So if anybody wants to contact you, they can do it through Ellanola.org. Ellanola.org. And the email is just Gene, G-E-N-E, at Ellanola.org, or, or Ashley, A-S-H-L-Y-E, at Ellanola.org. Okay. And we know that nonprofits all need assistance, you know, whether it's volunteers or donations. Uh, what's What do you all accept and how do you all accept uh, donations, volunteers, Absolutely. Um, so donations are always lovely. Uh, we easiest way is again through the website. It, it's Eleanola.org/slash/donate. Uh, we have an artist membership level that starts at sixty dollars a year, which you know allows you to take advantage of the legal services, assuming that you qualify. We have an attorneys for Ella level, which is for some of our lawyer friends who support the cause. That's eighty dollars a year, and then of course larger levels if anyone is involved, and smaller levels too. You know, individual donations, especially in New Orleans, are really important for a thriving nonprofit. You know. This is not a city with a large corporate base where you can go to 50 Fortune 500 companies that have line items in their budgets that say, oh, just give this money to nonprofits. That doesn't exist here. And so every nonprofit has to hustle, has to be able to show that they're doing good work that resonates with the community. We've been fortunate enough that I think we've been successful at that, but it's always something that we want to continue. You mentioned volunteers. Uh, we're always looking for volunteer attorneys. We have a lot of things that come in, some things that are um, not necessarily purely within the, the clinic model that, that, that Ashley runs with Arts and Entertainment. You know, for instance, if someone's having a dispute with their landlord, that's not really something that works within our Arts and Entertainment clinic that well, but it is something where artists will contact us for support. And if we can help them, we, we will. And so we're always looking for volunteers who want to work pro bono for, for the attorneys that are listening. We are you know, a setup with the Louisiana State Bar Association as official pro bono provider. So that allows them to get some continuing legal education hours by volunteering with Ella Project. And you're going to sound like a broken record. Guess where the form is? The form's on the website if you go to Eleanola.org. Awesome. Do you have any um, upcoming events or fundraisers do you all have coming up? So we don't do galas. Uh, it's one of the things that we've looked at over the years and realized that because of the size of the staff that we have, that we want to keep our staff working purely on service delivery as much as possible. Uh, so... You know, we, we love organizations that have galas. We, we were at a, a friend of ours gala Friday night and had a lovely time. But it's not something Ella Project's going to do. Uh, the easiest way to support us is, is through our donations. Um, and we, we will also do mixers throughout the year. But those are really more informal ways for everyone to get together. They're free events. We, we buy some food and beverages. We put artists, lawyers, art supporters in a, usually an interesting space, whether it's an art gallery, recording studio. But that's really more of the idea of, of seeding conversations between potentially people that aren't going to meet all the time than it would be in your classic fundraising model. And if folks sign up for our newsletter, then, you know, they'll be able to gather that information on our next event. Awesome. 
Um, Ashley, go, talking a little bit more about your uh, law students, I would imagine they're finding this kind of experience great as it's hands-on, real-life experience helping out. I hope so. The, I, I mean, I do, that tends to be the feedback I get. And generally speaking, you know, if it, I, I'm not the kind of person, and nor nor would my students tell me if they hated it. But I do get a lot of positive feedback from my students, and and I do think it is very important uh, for them uh, for them to gain this kind of experience. And most of my students uh, leave the program. Um, excited to work in the communities that they're moving to, which is, you know, one of our big goals is to not just, you know, not to just, you know, provide, you know, the students with the mentorship to be able to deliver the services here, but to take that sort of passion and that, that knowledge of, you know, the challenges that, that, you know, are faced by artists in every community and to do what they can to support the arts in, in whatever communities they land, and and that is that's what's inspiring to me. And I, and I do hear from um, um, some of my, you know, I will say all star students on a regular basis. You know, who are, I mean, I've been doing this for so long, who are now seasoned lawyers. Because when I first started, you know, I was just out of law school, so my students were a year younger than me in many cases. And so some of my students are just as seasoned as I am, maybe not practicing the kind of law that I do, but working in other communities and supporting artists, whether it be through financial contributions or being involved on boards or, you know, working with volunteer lawyers for the arts and, and other places, you know, across the country. And, and that is very, very inspiring to me and, and lets us know that, you know, we're doing a good job. Well, that's awesome. Again, I feel that is so important that giving back that, um, mentoring, you know, the younger generation so that sure. they can go on and, and continue and, and in whatever field it is, not just uh, law, but whatever field it may be. Um, in the last couple of minutes here, do y'all have anything else y'all would like to add or mention or let everybody know about the Ella Project? I would like to add that if you are an emerging or established artist or you, you work in the arts and and you think you might need legal advice, please reach out to us. Because that's why we're here, and I, I think a lot of people don't believe that our services are going to be free. You know, what lawyer does this for free? But we are accessible, we're available, and, you know, if you hesitate to reach out, there's probably a problem that's going to, to keep seeping. Um, we, we really love to work proactively with artists and establishing, you know, and helping them to, to form, to establish, and, you know, to engage in compliances around their businesses as entrepreneurs, you know, as, as small companies, you know, and like I said, as, as organizations. So, you know, whatever your um, whatever you, your media is or whatever your business, whatever you'd like your business to, to look like, we can help you. We can help you with developing it and making sure that, you know, mostly that you protect your creative content and have the confidence to enter the marketplace or to publicly perform or to do what ever it is that you want to do with your work. Awesome. Jean? Uh, I'd just like to say how much of a privilege it is to work in the arts and culture in New Orleans and the fact that the New Orleans community has supported us and allows us to continue to work with the people that create the art that makes living in New Orleans such a joy is, um, it's a lovely way to spend a day and it's been a lovely way to spend the career. And we want to continue to do the work we can so that that culture can continue to thrive. And I feel proud of our work and I think we're gonna do just that. Awesome. Well, Ashley and Jean, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. And uh, we and the work you do is outstanding. We I know many 
artists will appreciate what you do, and we're going to get the word out. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Been a pleasure, Carl. Thank you. You have been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carl Arredondo. Thank you for listening.